everybody. Then, isn't that, hello, isn't everybody. That from mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin G. <Yes. laughs> I'm referencing Kevin yeah. Gates, y'all, and Nicola is referencing Mean Girls. We are two we, different people. We are not the same. We are not the same. <laughs> same, same, but different. Very different. Yeah. Honestly, it's the best intro. That just goes to show this episode. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So producer Paul just said he was proud of me for knowing the phrase, get it out the mud, which Nicola didn't know. I didn't. Um, You know, so I'll... I'll you know, do you want to explain it like for people that are pretty and not know what that means? Yeah. So the term out the mud, apparently it means from starting at the bottom and rising to the top. That's right. So it's going from nothing to something. It's like the early bird gets the worm, but better. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the same. I but yeah, either. I it think sounds it's better in, the same in my realm. head. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Just motivating. Yes. There we go. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we should just like get into it. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Let's just like let's get into it. this. So, me and Missy were kind of chit chatting. Actually, we started talking about this when we had our girl night in Dallas one, mm-hmm. and we were at Alice in Dallas. Yeah. Oh my God, that rhymes. Alice in Dallas. What? Shout out to Alice in Dallas. Shout out to Alice in Dallas. Which is a restaurant. <laughs> it's Asian. Asian, Asian fusion? fusion. It's good, y'all. It's cute. It's a cute a, place. Yeah. It's so small, but it's so cute. And they put us in this little... Um, they gave us the table. It was like the VIP table. Yeah. I mean, it's really the just main a table attraction. separated from everybody else, which was cool. But <laughs> And we sat up higher than everybody else. It was mm-hmm. kind of like the queen table, you know? It was cool. And we didn't <clears> even request it. It was nice. No, we didn't. Uh-uh. Just said we were celebrating life. This is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But at dinner that night, we just like started, you know, chit chatting and rambling. Mm -hmm. And we started just kind of talking about the early beginnings of both of our lives. You know, I mean, me and Missy have been best friends for a minute, but I don't think we've ever really talked about that. Well, we've talked about. Well, I guess we've talked about bits and pieces, but like that was the first night we really like dug deep into like how we grew up or, exactly you know what we kind of came from as individuals and um i feel like the stories are different but have brought us the same what's the word i'm looking for not morals um we just have mentality. like the same hustle drive with different backgrounds yeah and same I think mentality that- yeah I think that the both are pretty relatable in the sense of, you know, I know me personally, you know, I'm not the only person that went through what I went through as a kid and to kind of give me what I am, you know, the drive that I have today. But, um, I think it's all about too, you know, how you, you know, deal with these, how do you handle, you know, coming out of situations like that of poverty and then what you choose to do about it. Exactly. Well, yeah. so Let's get into it. You want to kick it off and yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, a little bit about me, I'll give you all my, like a full story. Um, I was originally born in Mesquite, Texas, Missy from Mesquite. I don't claim it y'all, honestly. Um, we lived, we lived there a hot second. Um, but mainly grew up in Garland, Texas, Mm -hmm. um, through probably through elementary school. And then, we did move around a lot as a kid. And so I was never really out of school for longer than a year, maybe two up until I got into high school. Um, so my mom met, my mom was a single mom raising me and my two sisters. Um, 
but they eventually, when I was in second grade, went to go live with their dad. And so it was really just me and my mom from like second grade on. Um, and my dad was not like super present in the picture. Right. He was there. You know, I'd see him on occasion when, you know, at the end of the day when it was convenient for him. And so not that I ever, like I'm close with my dad now. And, um, but growing up, he was just kind of like in and out, I guess. And so they weren't together. They'd meet at a mutual spot in Dallas and it was like a, you know, every other weekend kind of situation. And sometimes not even that. So it was mostly me and my mom. And so she, as like, when I was younger, I just remember her working a lot because, she didn't have any help. So we were on like welfare and, you know, food stamps. And there were times where like, we didn't have a car, you know, there were times where we didn't have a car or we'd have like a kind of POS and it would like not work. Some mornings you just get up and it wouldn't work. And so I'd walk to school or, um, daycare or whatever. And, um, my mom would go to work or try and hitch a ride with one of her coworkers. And so it's kind of one of those, probably from the time it was like mostly elementary in the beginning of junior high. We was, you know, where we lived and we moved out to Euless and, um, there was a period of time where, you know, we'd walk to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. She like lived in these, we lived in these apartments that were like super ghetto across from, um, a Kroger. And so we'd walk to the grocery store for groceries. And then like, I'd walk to school to and from every day. Um, you would get yourself up and like make your lunch and make your breakfast and your dinner and yeah, get yourself to bed. Right. Yeah. There were times where my mom would just be like out late. Um, you know, she'd work a lot and then she'd go out after work sometimes because, you know, at the end of the day, like she was a single mom. And I imagine at that point in time, she was you know, wanting to meet somebody right. that could help, you know, financially and, and things like that. And I'm sure she wanted to meet somebody to be happy. Right. And so she would go out and I'd be home, um, and, you know, kind of help raise myself in a sense. Right. Um, because I like, it's crazy now. Cause I have the boys who, you know, my, my kids are nine and almost 13 and like, you know, they probably should, at least my oldest know how to work an oven, but they don't because they have never had to. Yeah. Um, but when I was in like fifth grade, you know, I was working an oven and like, you know, you have to think how old you are in fifth grade, like nine, maybe 10. Right. 10. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know, cooking <clears throat> meals and what little bit I knew how to cook and would feed myself and go to bed and, you know, see her in the morning. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, she was never like, a bad mom. I think looking back on it at the time, mm. you know, she always made sure that we didn't have, we didn't go without, you know, like we always had food. It might have been tuna or, you know, PB and J, but, um, we always had food mm. and, um, you know, there was always, we were never homeless. There was always a roof over our head. It might've just been for six months in an apartment before we were on to the next one. But, um, so we moved around a lot. I didn't, you know, have like stable friends because we changed, I changed school so much when I was younger. Right. Um, you know, so looking back on it at the end of the day, I think, you know, my mom just, you know, she was doing what she could to make things, make ends meet. And, you know, that meant working and not being home. And, um, but you know, we always had a Christmas tree. If it was a little Charlie Brown tree, <laughs> that's what it was, but we always had a Christmas tree and she did what she could. But, um, the interesting thing is, is like, you know, just like even hearing, you know, just the smallest snippet of like mm -hmm. your upbringing, like, you know, like just taking, for example, um, you were constantly the new girl at school, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that 
also instilled then your personality traits of like being personable and like yeah. being off the bat, like someone that you could open up to and you could be approachable because you probably were always in yeah. that predicament where yeah. you were constantly the new girl that was coming into a school with kids that all like, you know, are from the same class and like kind of grew up together. And, you know, you kind of had to just dive in and submerge yeah. yourself into it. And I mean, you know, even just kind of being an outsider's perspective of you, like that's very much like how you handle life. Like, you know, when you have your sights on something, you instantly just like dive into it to like get at it. And yeah. you know, it's crazy. Cause it's like, that's where it came from. I've never even thought about it that way. Honestly, I've never but it's thought about that's like, probably why I'm like, I'm just cool to meet anybody or whatever. I guess I never really thought about it. Yeah. Kind of rooting from just having to meet and make new friends. Like, it, you know, every other year basically. And like, as a kid, that's like something that like, you're just, you're like innately building. Yeah. You know, like you, you had no concept yeah, of that. No. And, and see, even now, like, you know, just like thinking about it probably wasn't even something that you've really ever thought about, but like, I just think it's so fascinating and it's so intriguing when you break down the walls and the barriers and you kind of just like get the real ass story of where people have come from. And mm -hmm. it's like, you start putting the pieces together of their character traits of what makes them who they are today. Yeah. And I mean, that's like innately brought out your hustler, you know, you, yeah. you had to, you know, time manage yourself even as a little girl with, you know, getting dinner and setting that and then going to bed. And like, mm -hmm. you know, these are all habits that a lot of kids do have like a mom nowadays that like, yeah. that's what they constantly do for them. So they don't have to be held accountable in that. Right. And like, you know, like, that's one reason why you're so prompt with timing. You know, you always show up on time, if not a little bit early yeah. and like, yeah. you know, like but it's like, it's cause yeah. you've learned that because like, yeah. that's yeah. what you were raised off of. Yeah. So it's crazy to think of like the psychological side. Is that the right word? Psychological the side. The psychology behind it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to say something. I don't know the word. Mm, yeah. You know, you uh, know. Yeah. I guess I've never really thought about that like that. I just figure, you know, that's probably... I don't know, I guess, because I just have always had to do it. And looking at my life now and how I raise my kids, it's like, I want them to be independent and know, you know, life skills. Obviously they need mm -hmm. to learn to do that and they know how to work a microwave and things, but you know, yeah, they don't, they've never not had me or their dad home to like, you know, make Depend sure they on. take a bath, make right. sure they brush their teeth, things like that. And so growing up and having to really do that on your own a lot of the time. Yeah. I guess it just kind of, it just was the way I was raised and it's so crazy because now being with Blair and, you know, his upbringing was entirely different. They like lived in the same house his entire life and right. like grew up with the same neighborhood kids that he still keeps in touch with, you know, in his thirties. And it's when he like says things sometimes he's like, didn't you as a kid, like ever just go, you know, play out in the street and whatever, do this. And I'm just like, no, mm -hmm. we didn't. Mm -hmm. I, we always lived in an apartment one and two, it was always hood. So my mom was like, do not Don't go, go outside. outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like, and I guess, you know, my ex-husband's upbringing was somewhat similar to mine. And, and so, you know, it just never seemed different, I guess. Um, but then to be with somebody now who, grew up entirely different. And I'd almost to say like the whole, like, you know, white picket fence suburb, you know, upbringing for sure. Very like wholesome. And that's traditional, traditional. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's great. Um, but it's different because I like talking to him, I didn't have the same life. Ex like I didn't mm -hmm. have the same childhood experiences as he did. Mm -mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have that group of friends from, you know, elementary school to, you know, now, you know, after college yeah, and, and adult, everything. Adulthood. Yeah. And he still has all that. And I love that. And I want that for my kids, but it's just, that's not what I had. We didn't really like settle down, I guess, until my mom met my stepdad, who she's with now. And, and how old were you when that happened? 13. Okay. I was about 13. Um, and so we moved into like they met and within six months they were engaged and moved us. He moved us into his house in Euless and I had to switch schools again. So I went to seventh grade middle school at one school and then we switched me in eighth grade. Oh my goodness. Um, so then I finished out middle school at that school. I had to make new friends, go through that whole process again. Um, but it was really from there that like, I guess I got more of the stability and started yeah. to learn other life skills that like, you know, my, my stepdad too, I have to thank for like teaching me to drive and teaching me how to like balance a checkbook and like understanding the importance of like, you know, money management and working, you know, I started working at 15 because he was raised in Minnesota, but was raised in a very strict home. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he was very much believed in like, you know, when you're able to work, you work right, and you earn money. If you want things, you use your money to pay for it, you know, for certain things. But what was your first job? My first ever job, I was either, it didn't last very long. I can't remember <laughs> if it was either, I was a car hop at Sonic. I know. I just don't know if that did was you my skate? first one or I was a hostess. I did skate. You made <sighs> more money if you skated. You made like an extra dollar an hour if you skated. That's actually mm-hmm. kind of a lot. Which was for still like... like Minimum wage at that time was what is it two thirteen an hour is what it was plus because you basically work for tips. Oh, that's so true. Do you remember that? Yeah, at, at, yeah, they had like a special. Like, yeah, yeah, it was like two thirteen an hour was my hourly pay, at which they took taxes out. Um, and then you basically <laughs> like worked for tips. Yeah. yeah. So like you'd get a check, which I mean, and fucking fi- at 15 years old, it's like, whatever, if I got a check for a hundred bucks, if even that, but, um, yeah, so you just work with tips. So I'm pretty sure my first job is either that or was a hostess at Posados. I can't remember which one was first, but, yeah. um, I mean, I've always worked since I was 15. I always worked, you know, obviously service industry jobs because that was, what would hire young and, oh yeah, you know, went from being a car hop to a hostess to, you know, a waitress to a bartender and then got a, a big girl job. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went into it. And then I went into it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, you know, people meet us now in our life now and they are like, you know, y'all you know, go do these things and you're out and you, right. know, you drive a nice car and you got a nice home. And, you know, I just, a lot of people, especially like Dallas people, cause I didn't really like, I only, I just became in like the Dallas scene to get to know Dallas people when I started working there back in like 2016. So I was mm-hmm. really not, I lived out in Euless prior right. to that. It was not like suburb girl. Yeah. I was a suburb girl. Yeah. So like a lot of people that know me now don't know my like how I was brought up and the fact that, you know, we were poorer than fucking poor at times. And, you know, we even did like the, um, food pantry at St. Michael's church in Bedford Mm -hmm. there for a time. And, you know, but it's also instilled in like, like you said, kind of the drive I have today Mm -hmm. because I've had to work for everything. Right. I didn't, I had to work for my first car. I had to work for, I was probably one of the last ones out of my friends. I got a car and it was a beater. Like a, it was a, Red Nissan 240SX standard. The seats were like, you could see the foam coming out of the seats. It was all like what had spots from the sun on, on the paint. I don't know what that's called. Um, 
Oh, like where the clear coat like wore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This car probably I don't I think we might have paid a thousand dollars for it at the time. Mm-hmm. It was like such a beater, but you had a car. I had a car. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I was a senior before I got my first car. Um, but you know, I worked for it, I paid for it, and you know, my sub did taught me how to drive a standard and you know, it was just kind of one of those things. I and from the time I was working, if I wanted like, you know, extra things, extra clothes or whatever, other than like, you know, necessities. I exactly. paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. I paid for it. So, you know, that was, it was tough, but it was tougher as a younger kid, you know, Jeff my and my mom did a lot when I was in high school. And, but as far as like, you know, your early upbringing, my early upbringing, it was really, there was just, I've just me and my mom and, and that was it. And right. she was out doing what she had to do to make ends meet. And, you know, so I was there raising myself and have been brought up to always work and like never, if there's anything my mom's ever taught me, it's like never depend on anyone Mm-mm. to provide for you and your children ever. Mm-mm. So like, no matter what I've been through in my life, I've always, whether it was little money or a lot of money, I've always made sure that I work and I have stability or stable income coming in because that's all that's going to feed me. That's exactly. all that's going to feed my kids. If I don't, you know, you just don't ever know, like, you know, but I think that also like the, the importance behind something like that and knowing that mm-hmm. is knowing your value enough to also understand that if things were to hit the fan and be the lowest of low yeah, and get to the point where like you could almost lose everything, like, you know, that you're going to figure out a way out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is no like point where it's like, I'm it's, it's over. Life is over for me. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I can't, there's no saving this. It's Mm -hmm. like, because we've gone through our different struggles, but Mm -hmm. for those struggles, it's taught us that at the end of the day, even in the brutal times, like we figured it out and we figured out how to get out of it. Yeah. And we did it on our own. Yeah. No one saved us. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so important with kind of what you've been through, what I've been through and like coming out, now to where we are now that it's like, not that we're invincible cause we're not, but no, like, nor are we fucking like rich no, <laughs> or anything like that either. But like, you know, we're not afraid of, you know, obviously like if everything crashes down around us, it's like, okay, well I'm going to figure this out. And it's not a woes me scenario. It's like a, okay, what's the new game plan? Now we have to pivot how I'm going to make this. Okay. How am I going to get back to where I was? Well, and I think, it's made me a little cold in a sense or like less empathetic as to people who I don't, and I hate to use this word, but like almost like, you know, play the victim or play like, you know, my life is woes me. Yeah. It's like my life is shitty because, you know, I had this happen to me and, and I'm just going to like mope around and have a pity party about it or expect it to like somebody to, give me a handout to make this better, the situation better. And it's hard for me to like, you know, sympathize with that, I guess, because it's like, no, like I, my personal experience, I was never handed anything. So like if I was, I don't know, evicted from a place or something like that, like I wouldn't expect somebody to just like here, you you know, like you can, I'll rent this place for you or, you know what I mean? It's like, you have to figure that shit out. And so it's hard. And like, I acknowledge it now as an adult that like, it's made me a little cold to that kind of mentality. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's like, even if the situation that happens is out of your control, you are the only one that can really change that 
the end result when it comes to that, you know, like, you know, if some guy leaves you high and dry and you haven't worked and you don't have a job and no money to provide and he takes everything, then it's like, okay, well go get a job then. And it might be starting from the bottom. It might be like, you know, having to go wait tables or be a hostess or something just to get income coming in and, and get on, you know, whatever kind of government help you can to get through this time. But, um, so like I could just have a hard time when I'm here, you know, people blame other people for their situation or, you know, not take any sort of like ownership ownership and trying to change their outcome. I just, for sure. I can't, I just don't know. I can't sympathize with that at all. It drives me crazy. And it's, you know, it's not like I'm not empathetic to people and situations, but I feel like you, but you've had to figure it out I before mean, yeah. and you did and it's you took possible. The, the time to do it. Yeah. It's possible to do it. And so, I don't know, I guess that's, you know, I have the things that I have now because I've worked hard and I've like worked in my career to grow and to be able to, you know, make more money now than I did 11 years ago when I got Mm -hmm. in the industry and, you know, making minimum wage, working my way through beauty school and loans and things like that. It's just like, you don't, you, you, I'm in a different place now at 32 than I probably would have 10, 20 years ago ever envisioned myself to be and being able to pay for the things that I can. Right. But it's because I, I grew up with such a, you know, childhood that I just was determined to have different. So I made different. Right. And I, I know it's not that easy for everybody and it wasn't, well, it wasn't even easy, easy, but I just feel like it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. I've just, I think people nowadays see a certain side of you and I on Instagram. Oh yeah. And they have I no mean, idea. you hear it. We hear, we'll, we'll be doing an event or, you know, I'll like people will say things to us like, oh my gosh, y'all are always all over the place and doing this and doing that. And, mm-hmm. you know like Nicola more so knows a hell of a lot more people than I do and is a lot more, you know, out and about socially, but it's like she had to work to get to this point. And, you know, it's not like I've worked a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. I mean, I think about, I've been working since I was 15, you know, like mm. it's like a long fucking time, a long ass time to be working. I know where most kids don't start to, or most people don't work till they are out of college. They don't like really work. You know what I mean? And that's just crazy to me. I don't know. I couldn't, I'm not even going to, if I ever had kids, they're working when they're really young. (laughs) They're starting young because they're learning. Caleb's about to be 13 and I'm like, you know, of course he's like, wants to be a YouTuber to make money. He's like, I'm going to be a YouTuber and make all this money. Yeah. I love that for you, but, um, when he's like 15, he'll probably start mowing lawns, you know? And I've told him that like, you know, especially cause he's, that boy is like his mother and he's got champagne taste on a beer budget y'all. So, you know, and I'm glad that he's, he, you know, is able to like ask for these things. And if I'm able to provide him, I will, but like when he hits 15, he's mowing some freaking lawn. So if y'all need your lawn mode, you let me know. Cause listen, he's going to, he's going to be starting that business. He's going to be entrepreneur at 15. Go passing out flyers. Uh Um, he's going to work for us. Yeah. Or that honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely, I think my, that it was instilled in me that work ethic or having to do it, not by, not on purpose. It's just nobody else is going to do it. So right. I had to do it. Right. You know, I had to feed myself. I had to whatever. And so, but with my kids, it'll be more to not cause they have to, but because I want them to learn right. you know, the value of money uh, yeah, and the value of working hard for that money. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, much like you. Yeah. Learned hustler mentality at a young age. Looked severely different. 
Um, and to a lot of people, um, you know, kind of like what you were just touching on about, you know, the way that society essentially views us compared to really what's going on in reality has happened ever since I was little. Um, I am an only child. Mm-hmm. So most people, you know, instantly like, oh, she's a princess. Um, and I was, and I have the best parents and they're still married to this day. They've been married for almost 37 years mm-hmm. and I'm super close with my mom. My mom is literally like my other half. Kyle. Everybody knows who Kyle is. Oh, Kyle. <laughs> um, and you know, she was really hands-on. She was a, a stay at home mom and my dad worked and he was in sales and he like was president of companies and all that jazz. And he did very well for himself. And, um, we lived in a great house. <laughs> you just can't have nice things, Missy. You can't have nice things. And, and, Y'all are watching it. Including YouTube, a, you saw that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's down there. I'm but not going to get down to get it. Mm, I, I just hope I don't I accidentally trust. spill this water all over these nice electronics oh. here in the studio. Mm. Oops. Was that expensive? Sorry, Paul. Paul's not having it with us today. Just Honestly, as a side note, we came in today feeling like super motivated and like, you know, just, on and one. he's just dragging his feet today. He's dragging ass. <laughs> he's acting like he's hung over. And he and came in not. with an attitude. Remember that whole not taking responsibility for things we were just talking about, <laughs> man. What am I not taking responsibility for? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Listeners. It's okay. What am I going to? It's okay. Okay. All right. It's okay. Okay. I'm, I don't know what I'm taking responsibility for oh, other than being on my A game. Oh man. <laughs> he's no, just, I'm he's not. just salty because mm. he didn't get to park in his parking spot that he likes oh, so much. That's what it was. That's what started this move. You're right. I saw that he came in hot in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Nicola was straight chilling in her parking spot, feet out of the window and everything. Listen, it's nice out today. It is beautiful, sunny, 70 degrees, perfect weather. Mm-hmm. No one was there yet. So I was like, I'm a big chill in this car, open the door, put down the window, stretched out my legs. And I was just basking. Y'all, I got a picture of it. I posted it today. Um, I was basking. And yeah. so sorry, you didn't get your parking spot. It could have just. didn't get his front row Joe parking spot. So his little butt hurt. Could have like him. nicely tapped on the honk. Toot toot. And I would have shut the door and you could have parked there. But you chose, you chose violence (laughs) instead. (laughs) Nicola made this. uh, (laughs) I was calling from Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, oh, is he only answering to Andrew Kent today? (laughs) So he's salty about that too. Oh, he's like not even. No, y'all. He's not even smiling at us. Oh man. He's not even playing. Anyways. Anyway, back to my story. (laughs) (laughs) So grew up in a nice house and, um, the thing is, is like my parents did also just give me my necessities and I came home one day and told my mom randomly, it's like, I'm going to sing at the local talent show. And I grew up dancing. So I was dancing since I was like four years old. And by this point I'm like seven and she's like, huh? And I'm like, I'm going to sing at the local talent show. South Lake had like a, like local. It wasn't like a school talent show. It was like for the whole town city. Yeah. And she's like, okay. So we got the karaoke track and she printed out the lyrics. What'd you say? Um, have you told me this before? together again by Janet Jackson? Oh, you did tell me this. Honestly, yeah. that's what's such, such a 
jam. That was such a bop of a song. So I'm trying to practice every fucking day. And my mom is like trying to help me. And she's like, I don't know what to tell. I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know when you're supposed to come in. I, I don't even know if you're on tune. I don't know what you're doing. I, I've never done this. And so she finally like looked at me and she's like, if you want to do this, then you have to do this. Like, cause I, I don't know. I, I gave you the, the things you need. So like you figure it out. And I was so determined that I was going to do this that I would come home from school and I would practice in my bedroom and I would practice and like use my hairbrush as my microphone. <laughs> and, you know, next thing you know, I went to the audition and they like instantly were like, yes, like you're going to be on this. You're going to do this talent show. So I didn't just do it one night. I did it all three nights. So I performed for all the shows mm-hmm. and you know, I've like never done anything to that like caliber at all. So I got up on stage and I had the microphone and that spotlight hit me and I just went at it. My mom was just like, I just don't understand. Like no one promoted you to do this. Like this is just, I grew up watching Madonna and her Italia tour back in the eighties. And so I think I just like was Madonna, but you know, not Nicola. I was Nicola. (laughs) Um, and that was another thing. Like, you know, when they were like introducing me, they're like, Nicola, what's your last name? I was like, no, I just want to go by Nicola. Cause I'm like, I know Cher and Madonna and now there's going to be a Nicola. So yeah, I thought I was going to be like with the best of them. And, um, after those three shows, my parents were like, okay, so do you, did you like that? And I was like, I loved that. Like I want, I want to be a singer. And so they put me in you know, um, singing lessons. And I started like kind of learning the fundamental like Mm -hmm. bases of singing. However, I was learning by ear. Like I, I didn't know how to read sight music. I didn't know how to do any of that. And by eight, I joined a non-for-profit organization that we went around to nursing homes, retirement homes. Um, it was called God's country kids. And we sang all over the place in the Metroplex and I started performing more and I told my mom, I was like, you know, obviously at that age, I don't know why I always just wanted to be a big girl. Like I wanted to be like the beauty, beautiful girls that I just knew that were like big girls. And I knew, I didn't know what designers they were wearing, but like, I knew they were wearing nice clothes and nice jewelry and they had nice purses. And you know, they had like the beautiful makeup and the beautiful hair. And I'm like, I want to be like them. And my mom's like, okay, well you're eight. So what are you going to do to be like them? I was like, I don't know, but can we go buy things like that? And she's like, no, I'm not buying you anything. If you want, if you want anything, like you're going to have to figure out how to work for it. So next thing you know, with my dad being in sales, you know, like his whole thing was like, you never know who's going to be in a room and who you're going to meet. And he was telling me that when I was literally a little girl. So I would sing at these events and I would take it upon myself to start like socializing with people in the crowd because I'm like, there's got to be someone here that is looking for a singer for something like some event or something like, and I can get paid for it. And then if I get paid for it, then I can have money that I can spend things on. And so then I started to market, um, around like October timeframe that I wanted to be people's like Christmas singers. 
So like for their Christmas parties. So I would like, mm-hmm. um, I bought my, di- my parents did buy me like this little sound system and it like folded up and it had the speakers and the mixing board and all that stuff. And I made flyers and I marketed myself as the Christmas singer. And I charged like a rate at the time. And that year I probably sang at like 25 Christmas parties. Like I was booked and my parents were like, if you, it was all they like, if you want this, you're driving, you're driving yeah. this ship. Like if you want to do this, we don't know anything about the music industry period. No. So if you want it, you go get it. And they instilled that in me when I was literally eight and I went for it cause it's what I wanted. And I wanted to live that type of life, you know, and I wanted to kind of see this dream come true regardless if it would or not, like I wanted to at least try. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was the power of networking from all of these events that I started singing at that I was really just giving back and like taking time to do that, that then unfolded all of these contacts then that were all plugged in to the music industry. And very quickly, I started kind of gaining the ranks and gaining the ladder of becoming a professional singer in a small town. And, you know, once I, I did this for years and I was making, you know, obviously money for private events. And then, um, I remember then Dell actually the the corporate offices here in Dallas for Dell reached out and they wanted me to sing for their Christmas party, their company Christmas party. And that was probably like the first paid gig I got when I was doing paid gigs for these, um, Christmas parties when I was younger, I would have like a base of like, $125. And then I could have my little tip jar out. And that's what I did. <laughs> and, and I bet the tip jar was bedazzled. And I mean, like, you know, I just think that everyone was like, look at this poor girl trying to like do something. I don't know. Like I can only imagine what people were thinking, but I didn't care. Cause it was what I wanted to do. And I was just fucking doing it. And, um, so the, the Dell, gig was like my first gig that they paid me a thousand dollars to sing for a 30 minute session. Mm. And I was like, Whoa, I was 12 maybe. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's a lot of money. So then after that, obviously again, a room full of people started networking with them and it's like, it led me to my next gig. So every gig I booked ended up booking me and like catapulting me to that next gig that I was going to be getting. So I was learning at a very young age, marketing and then networking and socializing and being around people. And I think with me being an only child, I was so comfortable about being around adults Mm -hmm. that, you know, even when I was that age, you know, I wasn't shy nor timid that I would go up to grown ass people and just start talking to them. Cause like, I'm like, I want to know who you are. Like, I feel like I, we'll meet the right people if I put myself out there. And, um, I also then like started doing pageants and going through all of that and getting all that training. And so I kind of was just busy. I mean, my entire upbringing of being like a kid, I really wasn't a kid. And then I started traveling because then all of my, um, gigs ended up going like nationally. So I went literally all over the place. I mean, I was in Washington DC for a long time and I was in, um, I did a lot of stuff in Pennsylvania, did a lot of stuff in California. I mean, like I was like traveling all over the place and it was for these paid gigs. And, you know, I, I ended up putting myself so far up the ladder that like the white house ended up calling my 
my home one day when I was maybe like 15 years old and my mom answered the phone and she thought it was like a fraudulent call hung up on the white house and they called him back and they're like, don't hang up on us. This is actually the white house. And my mom's like, I'm so sorry. Okay. Kyle Kuzis. Okay. Kyle All right. And you know, like it was the, the president wanted me to come sing for an event for him. Like, so, I mean, I had gotten my name out there so much and I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a manager. Like my mom obviously like helped me by like, you know, driving me to these places. But like, again, like I was the one landing all of these gigs from the people that I was meeting. And, you know, even when the white house called, it was because I sang at the Kennedy center of performing arts for another huge event. And afterwards I was mixing and mingling with the crowd and I met George W. Bush's speechwriter and started talking to her and just wanted to know who she was. And she was the one that put in the recommendation and they looked me up online cause I was very Googleable at the time, uh, with all of like, just like my, um, write-ups and mm-hmm. being on like, TV segments and things like that, that like they saw me and they're like, yep, we want her to be the singer. So, I mean, I think it's crazy because like that all started when I was eight years old off of a flyer to sing at Christmas parties. And, um, you know, and it's crazy, you know, like to fast forward up to where we are now in life and what I do now, um, with being a partner broker for money move is, you know, every connection we're making is based off of the networking that we're creating, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is how we're making an income as a brokerage is like, Mm -hmm. we're literally placing people with places and we're doing that by networking. And it's like every room I walk into, it's that same mentality and it's no longer like booking me to sing. It's like, are you looking to move? Do you you like, are you leasing? Are you, are you owning? Like, what are you looking for? Like, that's me. Like now I'm doing that. So it's crazy how, obviously throughout the time and like for like time purposes, like, you know, the roads exchanged and now Mm -hmm. it's gone, you know, into the career that I have now. But I mean, I do think it's absolutely mind blowing to sit down and talk with individuals, especially when you're talking with entrepreneurs and getting the starts and the beginnings of where they came from, because it shows you so Mm -hmm. much of a product of what they are today based Mm -hmm. off of how they were raised and how they were brought up in society and Mm -hmm. It starts, it starts when you're young yeah, and it only unfolds as you get older. Yeah. When you hear stories about like a lot of, uh, I say a lot of, I guess I only know some of this information because my son is so into basketball and you know, he's autistic. And so he really like will obsess over players and know like everything there's to know about like what high school they went to when they got drafted, you know, who were their parents if they were raised by a single parent. And I feel like a lot of, you know, these athletes, they grow up in a different upbringing. Like, yeah, they, you know, have millions now or a lot of money from playing football or basketball or whatever, but like they were raised by a single parent and had to like really work hard and maybe, you know, take the city bus or something like that to a practice. And it's just like, you know, no matter what hurdles life gave them, you know, they had support from a parent and they were able to just make the effort if they wanted it to go do it. Right. And with my son, he, you know, his goal is to not only have a YouTube channel career, of course, where he's making millions, um, (laughs) but he wants to play basketball for UCLA and then go off to the NBA. And like, he has 
there's so much in his head that like he's not even concerned about graduating UCLA because he's just going to get drafted before then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Hey, you know yeah. what? You know, manifestation Honestly. is huge and watch him do it. And I was like, okay, well, if that's what you want, then you need to start by trying out for the bas- the middle school basketball team. So he did that. He made the team. And leading up to tryouts, I said, you know, this isn't like select basketball or basketball you played, you know, at field house or whatever. I'm like, you know, that mom paid for, and you were already on the team because mom paid for it. Mm-hmm. I said, but this, you have to, this is a tryout sport. It's a cut sport. So if you're not good enough, you're not going to make it. And he started, he would practice and he made it a point and he'd like, you know, the morning of, it was like Christmas morning for him. He was awake so early the morning of tryouts, first day of tryouts. Cause they had like three days of tryouts, but he like, you could see how much that kid wanted it. Like the determination. Right. Yeah. And he knew, and he set his own alarm, which is the first time ever. And I mean, ever this kid has set his own alarm in his phone to get up, to wake himself up, yeah, to make sure he was up no matter what. And so whether I was up or not, he was going to get up at that time and get ready. He ate his, you know, good breakfast and banana. He just like took it upon himself because he knew that if this was what he it's wanted, important. yeah, he had to do it. Right. Whether he has support from his parents or not, which he does. But, you know, he knew that no matter what, if he wanted to go to UCLA to play basketball, it had to start seventh grade basketball. Like, right. and he has to continue to do this all the way through high school. And he has to college, yeah, climb and, then, and get better and yeah. practice and go through everything it takes to get to that place. Exactly. And that, you, you know, don't wake up with it. No. Yeah, definitely not. And he's, he's learning that almost, you know, almost the hard way because I'm, you know, he, he's playing two sports currently because of the overlapping seasons and he's fuck He's tired. He's worn out. He's like, I don't want to do two practices a day. And I'm like, well, you signed up for it. So this is this what is, we're doing. This is what that you want to play basketball for UCLA. Yeah. There you go. You need it. You're going to have to work for it and your grades are going to have to stay good in yeah. order to be able to do it. Cause that's the other thing is this is like his first year of realizing that like his grades affect him playing school sports. Oh yeah. Like you're not going to play if you're failing. Not that he would. He's, no, I mean, honestly, he's like the he's, smartest kid you'll ever meet. So smart. But I'm like, you know, you can't let your grades slip because your coaches aren't going to let you play. Right. You can't be late to a practice. You can't, you know, whatever you just, if you get injured, depending on the injury, they're going to probably expect you to play through it, you know? So mm-hmm. just be ready. So I think seeing him kind of learn these things that like, I was just kind of thrown into learning yeah. on my own. Um, you know, he's starting to really realize, like, if I want something, I really have to work for this. I have to work. Yeah. And, you know, when he's old enough, he'll have a, a summer job and, you know, maybe even during the school year, if it's not affecting school or basketball and, you know, so it's nice to know that even though like there's different upbringings from you to myself to even my son, it's at the end of the day, going to mold him to be the same kind of right. potentially entrepreneur or just a hard worker in general. Yep. Work ethic starts when you're young. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes from there. For sure. So. For sure. And I don't know, Nicola and I, we, we clicked immediately and mm-hmm. we've become really good friends and, you know, but like the more we've gotten to know each other over the last year and a half, it's, it's different to see how two people from two totally different upbringings are, have the same mindset and have the same goals and can come together and vibe together and exactly. be like understanding of the hurdles, even though they weren't the same before mm-hmm. the same now, right. We go through ruts. We, you know, there's some weeks she's not feeling it and she's in a rut with work and she's feeling really depleted. And, and then the other week it's, it's mine. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if you take anything away from this episode, no matter where you are in life and you could be in your forties and 
broke as shit and feeling right. like you don't have a chance to make a change with anything and that this is just your life and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not really late for any sort of change. I no. mean, it might be starting, like I said, from the bottom, doing something you don't want to do. But if that gives you the income to be able to start that side hustle or, you know, start that podcast or whatever. But if you have the determination and drive, you're going to see it through. Mm -hmm. And if you have a support system or somebody, you know, or even us, reach out to us. If yeah. you're feeling like you can't like, you know, we're not, obviously we're, we definitely aren't perfect. And we've been through probably we're like still any figuring kind it of out. hurdle <laughs> in business and relationships and raising kids. Um, we've been through it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you need somebody to reach out to about it, um, we're here for you. We are. We've had, a, I had one of our listeners. I didn't tell you about this. I don't think no, I didn't I had one of our listeners reach out to me on my personal Instagram page and asked me for some advice on something. And I was like, and I had met her for the first time at one of our events. So she oh. started following the page. Yeah. And I met her in person at one of our events that we had and she had reached out for some advice on something. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Totally. Like this is, you know, this is this and whatever, but it's kind of like nice to know that, you know, I don't know, I guess, People actually listen to this shit. They I know. listen to us. I, <laughs> Somebody I know. gives a shit about what I have to say. <laughs> so we're thankful for you guys. But Honestly, yeah. But, you know, it, I guess we've just never really, I was talking to Nicola when we were talking about the topic for today. And I was like, I don't think we've ever really shared our story. Like of like, you know, going from like legitimate welfare and so yeah. where we are now. The and, early beginnings. Yeah. Well, and even like, you know. There was a time as a young mom that I had to go back that route. You know, I haven't always done right. what I do now. And it's just like people that know me now don't know that probably would have never guessed. Well, what's that saying? That life. Fall down seven times, get up eight. Yeah. You know, you keep falling down, Cardi but you keep, you keep getting back up. Get up 10. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. There's Missy again coming in with the rap references oh, yeah. that I know you nothing know? of. She didn't know anything about, I can't just get I'm out just, the mud. Yeah, that was it. The mud, that the was mud. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Cardi B, get up ten. That she means get up ten times. See, yeah. I'm just telling you. Look, Keep I'm, it I'm real. Channeling with me. my inner um, Cardi B and Kevin Gates today, y'all. <laughs> on so, that note, if you, you haven't heard that song, honestly, sing it's us a good out. Song. I'm sing not, it out. Come I'm on, not. I'm, take us out I'm with a rap song. out, and I'm not rapping. <laughs> Cardi B, get up 10. <laughs> if you haven't heard the song, listen to it. It's pretty good. Honestly, it's pretty motivating. And sometimes I listen to it when I'm having a time I love day. that for you. Sometimes, sometimes you need to put on a bad bitch song yeah. and say, yeah. And that's the one at 8 a.m. when I'm drinking my coffee on the way to work in my scrubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I do. Beep, uh, beep. <laughs> is that my bestie in a teddy? <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening today. We love you so much. And we will see you next Tequila Tuesday. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcast, mm -hmm. um, Spotify, Write us a little review. Tell us how great we are because we love y'all. And um, yeah, so we'll just see you next time. Okay. Toodles. Bye, guys. Cool.